Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? Folks, it's so frustrating. I have warned so many people so many times that we were headed right where we are. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. Well, here we are, folks. That is exactly, in a nutshell, what all of this is about. And the icing on the cake for these people would be convicting him and then indicting him and sending him to jail then. And it's all been it's it's all been so so predictable. Three hours of gold, truth, and excellence. You've just signed up for the WBR Army. Welcome aboard. This is the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, Hour 3 kicks off with one of our favorite people, one of the few journalists out there, I believe, whenever she speaks. And that's probably a dangerous thing, but not when it's Julie Kelly, investigative journalist. She just rocks. Julie, welcome back to the show. Hey, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, you had something that came out yesterday. I saw you talking about Brian Sicknick. He is the police officer who, of course, even Joe Biden uh, wrongly told the American people was murdered by somebody hit with a fire extinguisher on January 6th. And you have a a very interesting thought process on on Brian Sicknick. So I wanted to open that conversation to you, Julie. Sure. So thanks, Wendy, for having me on. And look, I think it is vile and outrageous how the untimely death of Brian Sicknick, 41 years old, who died of two strokes caused by a blood clot near his brain stem. By all accounts, a really decent guy. I communicate once in a while with someone who was very close with him actually texting him on that day. But you've got the media, the Biden regime, judges, and shamefully his own family members exploiting his death to use it as this cudgel against Donald Trump and his supporters. To your point, we were told by the New York Times on January 8, 2021, that Brian Sicknick had been bludgeoned to death by Trump supporters using a fire extinguisher. This became the prevailing narrative of January 6. And the idea was to accuse Trump supporters who had backed the blue throughout 2020, you know, when everyone else, including Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, were bending the knee, uh, you know, at the holy altar of George Floyd, all of a sudden the tables were turned and Trump supporters had killed a police officer. Well, of course, none of that was true. The coroner, D.C. coroner, finally came out with a delayed autopsy report that said he died of the stroke. But to cover their tracks, The New York Times in March of 2021 then accused two men of spraying Brian Sicknick with pepper spray. They produced this video that was not at all conclusive, but it didn't matter 
The new storyline was, okay, he wasn't bludgeoned by a fire extinguisher, but he died of uh, some sort of reaction to the pepper spray that these two men, George Tanios and Julian Cater, sprayed in Brian Sicknick's direction. They were, both of those men, arrested, one at an airport, one at his home on a Sunday night with three young children at home, hauled off to the D.C. Gulag, uh, where one of them languished for months before uh, his pretrial detention order was overturned. The second individual, Julian Cater, languished in the Gulag for 18 months before he was tormented into a plea deal, accepting two counts of assault on a police officer. He was then sentenced to seven years <gasps> in jail. Yes, this is, to me, one of the most tragic stories of January 6th because these two men were completely, their lives destroyed to sustain the lie that Brian Sicknick was killed by Trump supporters. Julian Cater arrested at the New Jersey airport, a public spectacle. Uh, as I said, George Tanios, five months in the gulag before the appellate court in a very rare decision overturned Judge Tom Hogan, a Reagan-appointed judge, who told both men they could not be released even though they had no criminal record, sketchy proof that they were involved in anything about Brian Sicknick, on the appellate court in a very rare move overturned Judge Thomas Hogan's uh, detention order of uh, George Tanios. So there's real human collateral damage to both of those men and their family members. But what it looks like, Wendy, and this is based on body cam footage and also surveillance video, is that you have police officers, D.C. Metro and Capitol Police, for more than an hour before the alleged spray of Brian Sicknick, assaulting the crowd outside with copious amounts of chemical irritants, this very powerful um, uh, pepper spray that was released especially by D.C. Metro from these canisters. Well, what happened around 2.26 that afternoon is one of the D.C. Metro police officers misfired a large canister. It landed in the middle of a group of officers. They were immediately injured by this tear gas misfired spray. And because the winds were so high that day, 18 to 20 miles an hour coming out of the northwest, it carried down towards where Brian Sicknick was, which was the south side of the west side of the Capitol. So it looks like, and you saw dozens of officers who were hit with this spray because they were spraying it against the wind, basically, and it was kicking back and hitting officers. This is also testimony given by, by police officers in, in trial and as government witnesses. And also you can hear this on body cam footage. So it looks like rather than being sprayed with a small handheld keychain of pepper spray from Julian Tater, who is yards away from Brian Signick, it looks like he and others were instead hit with what I call friendly fire. And that is gas that these officers were spraying indiscriminately uh, at the crowd that was kicking back on their own officers. You made mention of Brian Signick's family. Uh, joining the chorus of voices trying to connect Trump, MAGA extremists, et cetera, et cetera, to Officer Sicknick's death. What do you mean by that? Well, his parents, and of course you understand there's nothing in the world, and I don't care if it's a baby or a 41-year-old man, that's still your, your baby, right? We know this as parents. There's nothing more horrible, tragic in life 
that, that you hope never happens to you than losing a child. So you can certainly understand their anguish about what happened to him and the timing and then, you know, him being elevated and used as a prop, really, by the Bidens and DOJ and, you know, Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats and media. But I do have an issue with their blaming Donald Trump for what happened to Brian Sicknick for refusing to shake the hands, as you recall, people like Mitch Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy when they were bestowing awards to the Sicknick family. Um, But they also wrote these really outlandish um, victim impact statements during Julian Cater's sentencing and, you know, accusing him of being a murderer, even though there was no evidence, first, that the spray even hit Brian Sicknick, or that if it did, it prompted the stroke that he suffered that eventually killed him the next day. But the judge allowed it. Not only had, did they write these really egregious, false victim witness, uh, victim impact statements, Sandra Garza, his ex-girlfriend, they'd broken up six months before January 6th, she has filed $10 million wrongful death lawsuits against Donald Trump, Julian Cater, and George Tanios, even though George Tanios ended up pleading guilty to two misdemeanors, had nothing to do with the alleged attack on Brian Sicknick. This is a sort of depravity that is coming out of this January 6th investigation and prosecution. It is turning otherwise I would believe decent people, uh, into props and even worse into, you know, part of this prosecution team to destroy the lives of anyone who was at the Capitol on January 6th. Do you think they'll release any of the video of of Roseanne Boylan being beaten to death? Um, I mean, there's new video coming out. We've had that video, we've had body cam footage and even surveillance video that gives a wider view of what was happening in that tunnel. But look, you know, there are men who also, Colt McAvee is one of them. He's a former sheriff's deputy. He was pushing against police who would not allow them to try to resuscitate Roseanne Boylan after she was caught in that tunnel, gassed, suffocated, trampled on and then apparently beaten by D.C. police officer Lila Morris, who was cleared in an alleged internal investigation for what she did, beating a lifeless Roseanne Boylan laying face up on the ground outside of that tunnel. Those men have been convicted. I don't even know if the jury was able to see the video of what happened to Roseanne, because as you know, the judges decide what the jury sees. They don't want jurors to see police brutality, excessive and lethal force that was used that day in the case of Ashley Babbitt. But I have often called this the biggest incident of police brutality since the civil rights era. Yes. And it is the most covered up aspect of January 6th by far. You know, Julie, when we come back, you have a, you have a moment to hang through a break real fast. I do. I've got a heart out at 1130, but I'm otherwise it. I'm all yours. All right, girl. I want to ask Julie, was it a trap from Go? Let's hear what she says. Investigative journalist Julie Kelly comes back with us right after this on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. 
Welcome back. We've got investigative journalist Julie Kelly, who we just love. Julie, I want to know, uh, Clay Higgins said yesterday on Newsmax, and I found it astonishing, that not surprising, but I, I've not heard this number. He said that he believes that there were well over 200 uh, federal agents undercover, not just outside the Capitol, but within the Capitol on January 6th, and that these same people infiltrated online chat rooms and basically fanned the flames of come to the Capitol, let's break inside. Do you believe that to be true? I mean, uh, Representative Higgins has said that before, and if you recall, he confronted Christopher Ray about that earlier this year, mm-hmm. and he said directly, did you have undercover agents Correct. or... Uh, informants dressed as Trump supporters in the building before the breach. And he refused to answer the question. And Clay Higgins got angry and said the answer should be no. It should be a simple no. So I have not seen that. um, But that doesn't mean that Clay Higgins, who has been looking at this footage and probably has some inside knowledge, it's hard for me to believe he would say that recklessly without evidence. But look, we know There were undercover agents from multiple agencies, including Metropolitan Police, who we have on camera, that were dressed like protesters. They were chanting along with some of the protesters. They were climbing the scaffolding. We know there were undercover uh, agents from the Department of Homeland Security. There were plainclothes Secret Service agents. There were plainclothes Capitol Police. Uh, Certainly, there were FBI informants run into some of these so-called militia groups months before January 6th and the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, that all came out at trial. So this is, I think, one of the lingering, biggest lingering questions, mm-hmm. Wendy, of the public and certainly members of Congress who are brave enough to bring it up. And that is what exactly did the FBI and other law enforcement agencies do undercover before and on January 6th to either instigate or provoke, of course, the optics that we've seen on a nonstop loop for the past three years. I agree. Well, and I have to ask you, what, what has surprised you? You've seen so much, Julie. What, what, has, what has actually surprised you that you've uncovered, either sitting in these hearings or looking at the transcripts? What does it take to surprise Julie Kelly? <laughs> um, I guess I'm just constantly shocked at police conduct that day, either the use of excessive force or officers standing around literally doing nothing as these people were led into a building, not thinking they were committing any crime, only to have the FBI either knock on their door or bust down their door with a battering ram to charge them with concocted stupid offenses like obstruction of an official proceeding and have their lives and their families destroyed. So I really hope Congress continues what Representative Higgins is doing, and I believe what the House Administrative Committee is doing. We're supposed to have a weaponization committee looking into this, too. I don't know what happened with that. But there's a lot more to uncover and a lot more shocking revelations that the American people just have not been privy to. And they will understand at the scale, I think, that they have been misled and lied to about January 6th. And I think the thing that makes me feel so gross inside is how long in advance of January 6th it feels like this was going, that it was being Mm -hmm. set up. It feels to me like 100% a Trump trap. And that is why we see states like Colorado trying to push him off the ballot, thankfully unsuccessfully. 
Well, you know, to me, the thing that sticks out the most, and I have to credit my friend Darren Beatty for this, you know, Stephen D'Antuano, who ran the Detroit FBI field office during the entirety of the Whitmer fednapping hoax, a complete setup to make it look like alleged Trump supporters were trying to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer, one of Donald Trump's biggest political foes throughout 2020. It was a complete start-to-finish entrapment uh, operation. And Stephen D'Antuano was the guy in charge of the office that ran the lead informants, undercover agents into that uh, scheme. So then suddenly, right before the arrests are announced, a month before Election Day, to make it look like, you know, Trump instigated this fat-napping plot, he's promoted by Christopher Wray to take over the Washington field office, a plum assignment, um, stepping stool to become FBI director. He installs Stephen D'Antuano, who is then... you know, running all of the FBI operations before and on January, and of course, after January 6th. To me, that is a huge tell. Uh, why did he pick Stephen D'Antuano? Uh, why did he move him right before January 6th, a man with his fingerprints all over one of the biggest FBI entrapment schemes in decades, and have him on the ground, not just running whatever the FBI was doing that day, but of course, then leading the criminal investigation after that. Right. My hope is that in your next assignment, Julie, you can finally determine what happened with those pipe bombs. <laughs> oh, oh, we're working on something really big for that for the three-year quote-unquote anniversary. So uh, keep, lots more to come on that. Keep, yeah, keep me, keep me posted on that. Julie Kelly, thank you for all that you do. You are truly, uh, you give me hope that journalism is not dead. <laughs> well, thanks, Wendy. I appreciate every time you uh, have me on. All right, thanks my so dear. Enjoy the holiday. We hope to have you back soon. Julie Kelly, ladies and gentlemen. Look, this is, uh, it's so ridiculous. You know, we, we've also discovered, and it's been reported, that it was a kitchen timer on those devices, those quote-unquote devices. This is, these weren't bombs. Come on. <laughs> so stupid. And Jamal Bowman. He doesn't get charged with obstructing uh, of uh, an official proceeding, but those two uh, those two guys who allegedly killed Brian Sicknick, who didn't actually, will waste away in prison for how long? This is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. Do not go anywhere. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program, American censorship alive and well and running interference for Joe Biden. The proof next. When you think about what kind of person would manipulate someone's tragic death to ensnarl someone that had nothing to do with it, a political party, an idea, a movement, a man, any of it, because they're so depraved and so desperate to stay in control, it's really quite breathtaking. I don't understand it. I'd lie to you if I said I did. Think about what Brandon Johnson is doing in in Chicago, blaming right-wing extremism. These words are specifically chosen for a very specific purpose. It's not right-wing extremism that's caused people to carjack each other for looting and rampaging of of personal businesses and others. That's not right-wing extremism. That's idiotic. But if you can throw people away in prison for something they did not do, that they got sucked into and were trapped in, then it makes me wonder what actually happened with Paul Pelosi, right? 
what do you think was really going on? Because it, Brock's looking at me. We all know what was really going on. It's unfortunate for Nancy what was really going on. But their lies are so lousy. They're so dumb. It was a MAGA extremist with a Black Lives Matter sign outside of his, you know, rainbow flag adorned VW bus or whatever he was living in. That's, it so lines up with MAGA. It's sort of like the people running into the Capitol looking all angry and militant. That so reminds me of MAGA. That's, that's exactly what, it's so dumb. But some of the stuff is a lot less in your face. It's done quietly and you don't know because you're not exposed. And this is what I'm saying. Newsbusters.org Media Research Center. This place is a goldmine. They do such great work. Here's your headline. Alarming election interference. Big tech censors Biden opponents 162 times. Why is this significant? If you can't get real real curated, populated, live details out of a search engine because the algorithm, the whole system is skewed against you and what your values are, then what are we doing? The year 2024 has not yet begun, but election interfering censorship is well underway as big tech companies have already censored every presidential candidate. Isn't that fantastic? Big tech manipulated the message of all 2024 presidential candidates at least once. But far and away, big tech chose to focus its ire on incumbent Democrat President Joe Biden's opponents. MRC researchers, Media Research Center researchers, recorded a total of 169 cases of censorship against the 2024 presidential primary candidates to date. In their exclusive censortrack.org database. Might be something you want to follow. Censortrack.org. A total of 162 of those 169 cases were against Biden's opponents. From censoring candidates' campaign websites, to fact checks, to removing content, removing accounts altogether, social media platforms have been hard at work interfering in the upcoming election and silencing the voices of those who seek to represent and lead the United States. Would you rather have the George Santos who you know is a liar and a fraud who admits it? Or do you want the people who claim to be doing the the good work that they've always done who are backdoor fiddling with the reality and presenting a different one to you on a daily basis? Big tech censorship impacted the accounts of all 23 candidates that Media Research Center has been tracking, regardless of party affiliation. But it has been particularly harmful, as we said, to Biden's opponents. Here's what we found. Big tech companies censored Biden opponents a whopping 162 times combined. Meanwhile, Biden was only censored seven times. These numbers do not include community notes which have been dynamite on Twitter, by the way, of Biden's opponents, big tech censored political newcomer and Strive Asset Management co-founder Vivek Ramaswamy the most. 18 times. The candidates are ordered below by number of times censored. Ramaswamy, 18. RFK Jr., this guy has them so scared. And it also freaks me out that Joe Biden would not afford Secret Service protection for him. 17. 
censorship occasions. Nikki Haley, 14. Larry Elder. Wow. They got it really out for Larry Elder. You know, these people who are all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, if you're black and you're conservative, you're the worst kind of scum. They censored Larry Elder 13 times. That's four times more than they censored Donald Trump. The list goes on. Every major big tech social media company participated in the election interfering censorship. Google, YouTube, Facebook, X, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Each censored at least one candidate one or more times. Google was the worst offender. As it's, This is why we use DuckDuckGo. Google was the worst offender as it censored every candidate except Joe Biden. A combined total of 112 times. That means when you go and you, you're trying to find something and you go into Google search bar, they actively suppress certain things, push them down and elevate others as we well know. And the things that they elevate of the others are pro Joe Biden. 112 times for Google. Awesome job. Big Tech managed to censor former President Trump nine times, despite his continued absence from most major social media platforms. Big Tech repeatedly silenced Biden's biggest threat to the Democratic nomination, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They blistered him with censorship 15 times before he reclassified as an independent presidential candidate. YouTube has been particularly harsh to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as it deleted seven videos featuring interviews with the now independent candidate when he spoke on the COVID-19 pandemic, when he spoke about vaccines or the assassination of his father. Look, the only reason you censor somebody, it's not about protecting, you know, oh, we don't want to spread misinformation, you know, as well as I do. It's because the narrative they want to silence is correct. Do you guys question everything now? Do you question the events of 9-11? Do you question the attempted assassination of, of Ronald Reagan? Do you, do, you, do you question all of this? I do. Big Tech has also censored each of Biden's other Democratic opponents. Dean Phillips, four times. Marianne Williams in three. They don't even talk about her. She's not even a, she's not even a thing. Marianne Williamson doesn't exist. This this party, this idea of elevated women, oh, women, diversity, equity, inclusion. You're a woman going against Joe Biden. Sit down. You are not allowed to debate. We're not interested in what you have to say. We will not talk about your platform. We will not allow people to find you unless they really, really work for it. That's manipulation. That's propaganda promoting. That's silencing. In politics, which you're not allowed to do. Allegedly, but they do. Elon Musk's ex-platform tampered with presidential candidates' messages at least 115 times through community notes. 115 times. X tacked a total of 115 community notes onto numerous presidential candidates' posts. President Biden's content received 54 of these notes attached to his often wildly inaccurate posts, making him the most censored presidential candidate on the platform. President, meaning 
They ran interference for him. Big tech censorship has harmed users of social media accounts. One billion four hundred sixty two million four hundred four thousand seven hundred thirty nine times through secondhand censorship of presidential candidates. Why do you think they said, hey, go ahead, Jack Smith, you want to know who's following uh, President Trump? So it's not just that they're going to censor what Trump is tweeting, what Trump is saying, what Trump is doing or coverage of it. If you write about it as a secondary person, well, welcome to Facebook jail. Welcome to a strike on your account. Who is it that's doing that? Hmm. That's a great question. Alarming election interference 162 times. This is why we have so few guests on this program. Whom do you believe? Julie Kelly, I will. I believe her. I believe what she says. She sources it. She gives you information. That's what we do. So you can fact check. Big Tech's Orwellian censorship covered a wide range of topics. The most frequently censored posts on X addressed economic issues on other platforms. Posts about COVID-19 and vaccines, abortion and climate change were censored more frequently. Other topics censored including guns. Education, race, crime, immigration, the left's radical transgender ideology and discussion of previous elections. Look, this is the party that wants you to believe that electing Donald Trump will make things so chaotic. We've had enough chaos, they say. Enough madness from that madman. What has he done or said that has actually created madness or chaos? It's all of this fictitious, phony, baloney, high school musical alternate universe that we're living in where somebody behind the curtain is determining what you can see, where you can see it, and whether or not you actually have that First Amendment right to speak freely. And if our government allows seven, Section 702 to get stuffed into this defense bill, ladies and gentlemen, these hacks... We'll have carte blanche for another year access to you and surveilling you mercilessly. And don't think they won't. Coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio program. First of all, a a grim, grim statistic about suicide. And then is the honeymoon honeymoon finally over? Drivers are not buying what the Biden administration is trying to sell. I've got those deets for you next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. So these are not sexy stories. I'd love to have, and this is what's nice about being independent and not being driven by a news organization behind me because I don't need a hook. I don't need a sales pitch. I don't need bells and whistles. I don't need TNA. I don't need a ticker tape parade. We just need to tell you what you need to know about because they're going to slip things into bills that you need to know about. The Section 702 allowing your government to surveil you without going to a judge and explaining why is, is so beyond the basic tenets of this country. Those rights and freedoms are supposedly inalienable. Except when you've got scumbags who are scared that they're going to be exposed 
Their lives will be ruined, their reputations shattered, and that will be a beautiful day. This story, though, which is unfortunate, U.S., this is a Wall Street Journal. U.S. suicides reached a record high last year. Who do you think is at the highest risk? Men, women, younger, older? Older men are at highest risk, while suicide rates among young people have declined. Nearly 50,000 people in the U.S. lost their lives to suicide last year, 2022. This is according to a provisional tally from the National Center for Health Statistics. The agency said the final count will likely be higher. I guess it takes a while to get all the detail. The record reflects broad struggles to help people in mental distress following the pandemic, a shortage of health care workers, an increasingly toxic illicit drug supply, and the ubiquity of firearms, this article says. I think that's disingenuous. Look, if you don't have a gun and you don't want to continue, there are umpteen ways that don't involve said firearm. So that's one of those liberal talking points the Wall Street Journal likes to put in. How about people who have been injured because of these vaccines? How about people who now have stunning neurological problems for which there are no solutions, who now find themselves on a treadmill of doctor's appointments, reliant upon big pharma, isn't that a kick in the pants, just to survive? I'm going to go with that's probably something that should be spoken about in this as well. Some groups remain at extreme risk, excuse me. American Indians, Alaska Natives, almost always double the rates of other Americans. But there is some evidence in efforts to reach people in crisis that it's helping. Why would people want to take their lives? Because every single day you are bombarded with the story that America sucks. That if you, depending on what you look like, that you're part of the problem. That if you don't bow down and you don't put that black fist on your Twitter page or your Instagram or Snapchat, that you're part of the problem. That we are supposed to judge each other based on esoteric, just stupid, indiscriminate things. Instead of actually stopping and talking to each other. It's purposeful, this human connection that's been severed. And I noticed it the other day while shopping for my family's groceries. And I was at a big box store and I was looking at slippers for my sons. Bum around little slippers in the house. And a gentleman walked by to look at them. And I said to him, that looks like those would be a very comfortable, good value too. And he looked at me like I had four heads. And he did a double take and he said, are you talking to me or are you on the phone? And I said, no, I was talking to you. And he looked at me again like I was weird. And I was like, yeah, see, we, f- we forgot how to do this. This whole talking thing. It's amazing. Great. And then I bumped into him like, right, every other aisle, I bumped into the guy. We don't do that anymore. We don't talk to people. We don't just randomly speak to people. 
We're told we're bad. America's bad. Depending on your political party, you're bad. You're an extremist. You're this. You're this. It's so tiresome. It's so worrisome. And the real collateral damage we see. It's demonstrably preventable. With honest discourse, which, of course, we don't do in this country. And, and I wanted to just wrap up today's show in a bow of obvious suck. This whole EV, buy an electric car, save the planet, do it now. I know it's expensive, but it'll make you a good person. Nobody's buying it anymore. These cars are sitting on the lots for triple the time it would normally take, despite the incentives, despite all of the, the, the tax things, all of it. Nobody wants a lousy program. An, a lousy, ill-thought, emotion-based program predicated on money laundering, a get-rich thing. They expected you guys to fall for it. Hook, line, and sinker. And when you did not, now what do you have? You have all these car dealers saying, I'm screwed. I can't get rid of this stuff. Nobody wants it. We can't slash it enough to get rid of it. There's no power grid that can manage it. There aren't enough charging stations. The charges don't last enough. It was a dumb idea. And you went and you jumped in feet first. And now we're stuck. So... Cue the government bailout. It's just a matter of time, ladies and gentlemen. When you get zinged with your taxes and you wonder what the hell is it going for, just thank your local neighborhood Democrat because they're behind it. Merry Christmas. All right, tomorrow's Friday. Don't forget your bad jokes, good news, and so much more next. Tomorrow, I should say, on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Peace.